Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'd like to bring up my great friend, Sister Vernon. I've done so good this whole weekend. I didn't say the O word one time. Did I really? <laughs> she said, yes, I did. Now I told a lie from the pulpit. Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Well, that's uncomfortable when people say nice things about you and exaggerate that there are 54 weeks in a year when there's really only 52. And, and when they talk about taking up offerings and all of that, that's uncomfortable. Because it's a much nicer thing to be on the giving end. I like to be the one blessing and giving, not receiving. And someone told me a long time ago, it is, it is very good to learn to be a gracious receiver and smile and say thank you. So thank you. Thank you for loving us. We sure love you. We don't go to most churches two times in a year. I have a waiting list of people uh, after being out for 30 years. This was the 30th year of full-time ministry this year. And there is a waiting list of people. I have people that we are putting on the calendar for 2021 that have been waiting three years to get on the calendar. And I'm not, I'm not saying that for any other reason than to tell you how special you are, that I didn't call somebody else. I, I, I wanted to be with you and it's not everywhere that you connect. And I've told you that before, but we've connected with you and we love you and we pray for you when we're not here. And I'm so glad to be with you today. And I give honor today to my pastor who knows I'm here. I'm under the covering of my precious husband, Brother Vernon, and to you today, Brother Cordell, my friend. I submit myself. I'm under your covering. It's always wonderful to be with our friends. Brother and Sister Kylie, we love you. Brother Kylie brought me here in 2017 for the first time. And he didn't know me, but we have a mutual friend, Pastor Meyer, and uh, I understood that I was recommended by my friend and my brother. He's become my brother. He treats me like a kid sister. And uh, so you brought me here and I was reminiscing in the night last night. I, I woke up about 2.45 and I was reminiscing. I have brought to this pulpit a little birthday table all set up and decorated to present the word of God. A boat, nod your head if you have any remembrance at all of the, a Mrs. Beasley doll, okay, um, a Ferris wheel all lit up. Um, you know, when the Bible talks about the foolishness of preaching, it does not get much more foolish than it gets with me. But it is all just in an effort to help people find Jesus and to remember we're all in this together. And when I was reminiscing and thinking about you this morning at 2.45, the Lord brought a story back to my mind. And as you know, I'm a storyteller. And so many things happened to me in my life. And I believe it's so that I could use these things later on in life in ministry. But I was a little girl about five or six years old. And I was with my daddy at the grocery store. And it was a big deal to get to go with dad to the grocery every week. And it was because dad would let me do things mom would not let me do. Like roam around the grocery store by myself. You know, at six years old, back then that wasn't uncommon. It was a much safer world. And so dad would give me a quarter. Because in the front of the store, there was a machine that when you put a quarter in, you pulled a handle. Anybody remember those? They let loose real hard. You pulled it out like this and, and it would release a treat, chocolate cream filled cookies or uh, peanuts or potato chips, something in there that you wanted. It's really hard to decide what you wanted to get. And so dad would start grocery shopping and he would say, here's your quarter. And I remember it was a cold winter day in Columbus, Ohio. The snow was on the ground. I can tell you what I was wearing because it was such a momentous day to me. And I had on a little green plaid wool coat all buttoned up with great big pockets. 
and my little jean skirt and my little green boots. And see, she started me with that matchy thing way back there. <laughs> and my mama. And so I went to that machine and I could barely reach the slot to put my quarter in. Had to stand on my tippy toes. And I pulled the knob to get my chocolate cream filled cookies that day. And the little thing went around like this, you know, and it dropped my cookies. And the most wonderful thing happened in my whole life. Every single one of those things went and everything in that machine started dropping. The peanuts, the chips, I hit the jackpot. I wasn't even trying to gamble. I just wanted cookies. And everything began to fall and my eyes got real big and I looked all around. And I opened the, the drawer, you know, and you have to open it with one hand and reach in with the other, try to snap your hand off when whoever designed that thing. And and so I, I'm getting and I'm oh I opened my coat and I filled my jean skirt pockets with the cookies and the peanuts, and then I was stuffing the chips in this pocket, and I was just M&Ms. <laughs> you know, I was just grabbing them all out of there, and I felt a presence. It was not the presence of the Lord. And I turned around, and there was what I thought was a police officer. I'm sure in a grocery store in the 60s, it was probably a security guard. But I thought he was a police officer. And he was all dressed up in his uniform, and he had his hands on his hips. (laughs) And he was just watching me stuff all that. And all of a sudden, I felt like a thief. And I, I looked up and he said, what you doing? I said, well, 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 I put a quarter in here and all the knobs started moving and everything fell. And so, and so I just figured I just bought all that for a quarter and, not, and the more you talk, the sound, worse it sounds. And then I started crying because I thought I'm in big trouble. I wasn't really sure what was happening. And then I saw the smile. And he said, go ahead and take what you've got and get out of here. Go go back with whatever adult you're with and get out of here. Take what you've got. And when we came back by, there was an out of order sign on the machine. I I knew a secret that no one else knew. All they needed was a quarter. (laughs) And I was reminded of that at 2.45 this morning. And I began to think, and this so humbled me what you said today, because I was thinking about how little I feel that I have given to the Lord in my 59 years compared to Calvary. I felt so humbled to realize that I barely even put in a quarter. When I look at my contributions, whether it be money or time or travel or anything else, I have done so little compared to the cross. But when he saw me even make the tiniest little effort, it was as if he opened up the windows of heaven and said, you know what, that's all I was looking for, you, for you just to come and bring me your heart, for you to lift your hand one time, for you to tell me you love me, for you to reach out a little bit, and then I began to roll out the blessings for you. I died for you. I, I, I went away to prepare a place for you. I give you peace and joy. Daily, I heal your body when you're sick. I never leave you nor forsake you. I'm your comforter, your best friend. And yeah, you can keep it all. It's yours. He doesn't ask for much at all. A quarter's worth, maybe. And then the rest is ours. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Would you stand to your feet one more time and lift your hands today? That sweet lingering presence of the Lord is still here. Would you just thank him for what he has done? Come on, you can do better than that. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you that you died for me, that you love me. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here, Lord.
Thank you that you are here. You turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. I enjoyed the Bible lesson so very much today from our brother who is a great orator. I told him he can correct my English after church. A great speaker and a lot of nuggets that I wrote down that I thank the Lord for today on grace. Psalm 42, we're reading verses 5 through 11. I know it's a long text, but you'll be sitting for a moment. If you could just hang with me and try to stay with it in your mind and think about what's being said here. Psalm 42 and 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted in me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Deep calleth into deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me and my prayer unto the God of my life. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a sword within my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they daily say unto me, where is thy God? Why art thou cast down on my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. Psalm 43 and 4 says, Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O my God. Why art thou disquieted? Oh, I'm sorry. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Little repetitive there. It's hard to even read. It's so repetitive. And I'm going to try my best today to explain to you why. As I deliver this message the Lord gave me recently, a quarrel with your soul. A quarrel with your soul. You may be seated. A quarrel is a word that we're familiar with. That if I were to ask most of you what the definition of quarrel is, you would say an argument, a fight. A spat. In an argument or a fight or a spat, often the parties repeat themselves because they're trying to make a point. You ever argue with somebody that keeps saying the same thing over and over? That's what's happening here. That's why I read it to you in both Psalms, and that's not the only place where it appears. Because there's an argument going on here. But a quarrel is a little different than just an argument. Now, if you have an argument with your spouse, you each think you're right, so you're repeating your point. I don't like to call it that. I like to call it an intense moment of fellowship. <laughs> we should never really argue. We should just, you know, reason things out. <laughs> Sometimes it might get a little intense. But a quarrel is very unique. A quarrel is a heated argument or disagreement, typically about a trivial issue between two people who are usually on good terms. That's the difference. Not everybody that has an argument with you are you usually on good terms with. Some people just never get along. So you're not quarreling with that person. But a quarrel is two people that usually get along great. You know, I usually get along great with myself. I don't, I don't argue with myself very often at all. 
Most of us think we're right most of the time. And so we don't have an argument with ourselves or with our soul. But David was having an argument, a quarrel with his soul. We are overhearing this quarrel going on between David and his soul in this text. Because David had a life of all kinds of trouble. His story makes me nervous. I can read Job. I can read Noah. I, I can read Jonah. I mean, Jonah was swallowed by a whale. They don't bother me as much as David. Because David's never ends. It goes on and on and on. David has a lifetime of problems. People saw chasing him, battles. He's constantly in trouble. And David was so beloved by God. But David in this text is having a quarrel with his own soul. He said, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted in me? He repeated that over and over. The word disquieted means to moan. To not have words disquieted. No words. Have you ever been so low and going through something so terrible that there just weren't any words? Even when you went to pray, you couldn't find words to speak. David found himself in this shape often. He would have this quarrel with his soul. But we find that David came out of that quarrel every time saying the same things. I need to remember the land of Mizar, the, the Hittites. I need to remember the battles before. I, I need to remember what God has done. And I need to remember to get my praise back on. I need to praise God for what he's done in the past. I'm disquieted. I, I'm, I'm, I'm unsettled. I'm going through something. But what I need to do is have a quarrel with my soul. David was a great example for us because he had learned in his battles in life sometimes you just have to have a quarrel with your soul now I'm very good at relating my own stories because they happen to me but I have the worst trouble relating stories that happen to other people I can't I can't envision them in my mind because it didn't happen to me. And that's the way I minister is by envisioning what happened, remembering, and then I can make it come out of my mouth. But when I start telling Bible stories, you're just going to have to bear with me today. Okay? And, and you scholars, just, just cut me some slack. Let's have grace today. David is in yet another Bible story where he is going to join the army of the Philistines. He leaves his wives. He has two of them. I don't know why they did that. I'm glad we don't do that now. Most of the men say amen. He had two wives. And all of his men had wives and children. And they left them at home to tend the fire and to shine the sandals and whatever all they did. And they went to join the Philistine armies. They went a long journey and they were declined. I'm only bringing this point in because sometimes you look at your life and think, this looks like it's going to work out perfectly. This is what I, I'm going to do. My house is going to sell and I'm going to move over there. Or my job is going to work out. Or I am going to get that promotion or whatever. And all of a sudden you find out it wasn't God's plan. A lot of times there's disappointment and we don't understand. And I'm sure David was going, huh? Why, they, why can't this work out? This is what I thought. I, you know, I, I took all my men, 600 of them, and, and here we are. We leave our home and our families to go join this army and now this is not working out. Oh, well. So he turns around and they come back home. When they get back home to their little village and to greet their wives and children and have supper, they find that everything is plundered, their wives and children are missing, they're kidnapped, and the village is on fire, it's burning, there's nothing left, wow, 
That's a pretty bad scene. And David has to explain to his men, I'm not sure what's happening here, but we're home and we just need to pray. We need to find the mind of God. David always tried to find the mind of God. They are, the Bible says, wailing and weeping until they're so weak they can't pray anymore. Have you ever been so disquieted and you prayed your guts out over a matter that had broken your heart and you, you just couldn't pray anymore? If you've never been there, I hope you don't ever have to be there, but I'm telling you, it, it is a horrible place. This is where they were. What are we going to do? And David, in the midst of all this trouble, he hears some murmurers. Oh, there's always murmurers in any bunch. And the murmurers were saying, it's all David's fault. We're going to stone him. We're just going to get rid of that dude because this is all his fault. Oh, there are always people that are going to blame the pastor. They're going to blame the, the, the choir director. Or they're gonna bl they'll blame the guitar player. They'll blame the sound man. Murmuring, looking for somebody to blame. When really what's transpiring, God is in the middle of. Because he works in mysterious ways. See, if David and his men had joined that army, they wouldn't have got back home in time, perhaps, to go find their families. They'd have been on a longer journey. Because what happened when David got up from that place of mourning and weeping, and sometimes you have to make yourself get up. You don't want to get up. You want to stay depressed. You want to stay down. You feel like you just can't face it, but you got to make yourself get up. And David made himself get up, even though there were murmurs and complainers around him. What did he do? He went to the priest. You need direction. I need to hear from God is what David said. I'm not making one more move. And I am so thankful that in my time of mourning and disquietness and, and all of my battles I've been through, I've had people of God that I could pick up the phone and say, hey, I need an answer. Will you help me pray? If God gives you a word for me, please tell me. I've had people that didn't know anything about what was happening pick up the phone and call me and say, hey, I've got a word for you. A timely word. David got a word. Got the ephod. The priest came, told him, you're going to win the battle. You, this is going to be all right. David, the Bible says, encouraged himself in the Lord. You've heard that famous scripture? That's where it's found. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You don't always have a lot of people around you saying, come on, you knew it. Sometimes you just have to encourage yourself in the Lord. How do you do that? By remembering by looking back and remembering through your praise and your worship. David gathered together the men and said, come on, we're going to get our stuff. We're going to get our wives and you're going to get your wives and kids and we're going to get our stuff back. Come on. And, and so the men kind of started rallying around and oh, well, all right. Then the murmurers even said, all right. Let's go. They start marching and they're going to battle. And the, but you see, they've already been on a long journey. And, and there are 200 of those men that say, man, we can't, we can't make it any further. They get to the valley and, and they say, we're, we're, we're just worn out. We're depleted. We're sick. We, we can't make it. And so David said, that's okay. You just stay here in the Valley of Bizarre with the supplies. You just watch over the supplies. That'll be your job. You know, everybody's job in the church is important. So don't think if you're the one watching the supplies, you're not important. You are. We all have a place in the body. And so he took the rest of those men and they went on looking for their wives and children and their stuff. And they, they are walking along and someone comes carrying this dead guy. At least they think he's dead. And they lay him at the, the, the feet of David and say, hey, you know, we found this guy on the side of the road. David recognizes that's an Egyptian. They've left him for dead. He's starving. He's passed out. No, nothing to drink. David realizes this is a servant of that opposing army. 
This guy came right in with that army and burned our stuff and took all our Tupperware and our sandals and our tools and our, our, our kids' toy, took everything. I know that's not in the Bible. Quit looking at me like that. Some of you need to smile a little bit. You're making me a nervous wreck. I told you I have trouble telling these stories. I got, just give me a little grace so I can embellish a tiny little bit, okay? And so here, here they bring this dude. He was with the opposing army. It would be real easy for David to kick him and say, kill him. Get him out of here, kill him. Knowing that he was one of the enemy, a servant to the enemy. And David said, go get him some bread and water. They gave him some bread and some water and he began to wake up. And, and as he drank a little more, they just realized he's dehydrated and starving and, and worn out. And so they, they begin to minister to him. The Bible says they went and got him some raisins. And then if that wasn't enough, I mean, David said, go get the cake. Break out dessert. They didn't just feed him, they gave him dessert. Sometimes the Lord requires you to give the dessert to your enemy. Bring out the fig cake. Heap the piles of coal on his head. In the midst of your problem, it's not time to stay home and curl up in a ball and just take care of you. Maybe you should just get out of your comfort zone and go win a soul. Go help somebody else. Get back to church and start teaching Sunday school or, or, or start ministering in the altar. In the middle of your hardship and your battle, it's not time to just go inward. Think about who you can help. David had a lot on his plate, but but he wasn't going to leave this man to die. He gave him some fig cake, and man, that woke the dude right up. Dessert. David said, now, you can tell us where the army took our wives, children, and our stuff. He said, yes, I can, but please don't turn me over to them. Please don't kill me. And I'll tell you where they are. You see, God had that orchestrated all along. You think that was a coincidence, that servant's laying almost dead by the side of the road? No, God let that army drop him there so David would find him. Why would you be disquieted when the Lord cares about every detail of your life and knows all about your trouble and your problem and he already has it all worked out? man said I'll show you where they are and when they entered into that valley the Bible says it took them a long time when they got there they knew they were going to have to do battle and they're worn completely out but they looked down into the valley and the revelers that army are drinking and celebrating and they're not even paying attention they don't even think David's going to come after them they're celebrating what they have gotten. And right in the middle of the devil's celebration, what he took from you is when you can look down into the valley and say, you know what? I'm going back to get my stuff. I'm getting my unsaved kids. I, I'm getting my financial blessings back. I'm getting a better job. I'm going to get my healing. I'm coming down to get what the enemy's taken. Hallelujah. God set it up so the armies didn't even see him coming. They were so drunk. And the battle started right before the sun went down and went all night and all day the next day. Usually when people tell that story, they just say they won the battle. But I'd like to insert that to let you know that sometimes the battle's long and hard. But you're going to win. We know what the end of the Bible says and we win. And when we get on the other side, it's going to be so worth it that we battled. That we didn't give up. That we didn't quit. That we kept being faithful. That we stayed in the trenches. It's going to be so great when we get to the other side. David encouraged himself in the Lord. That's how he won the battle encouraged himself, had a quarrel, if you will, with his soul. 
we find that they got all of their things. And most importantly, their wives and children, all intact. Nobody had been killed. They took them back to rebuild. And they got all of the spoils of battle that belonged to the enemy. And they went back to rebuild knowing that God had made the way. I'm wondering today if in the middle of COVID and all that's been going on, some of us have not just kind of laid down in the battle. We have been fearful. We've been dismayed. How long is all of this going to last? How long is it going to go on? Is my job secure? Are the kids going to be able to go to school? Questions, new questions almost every day. But I want to encourage you that we are on a pilgrim journey and we do not belong to this world. And we're all going to cross over onto Jordan's shore. We're going to be together forever where there's no sickness and it's not going to be very long. We are in the wrap-up of this thing. We are in the end times. Jesus is coming. If you're here today, it's not by accident. If you are a brand new visitor, you are here because the Lord is drawing on you. The Lord is ready to give you what you need to get to heaven. Amen. But you may have to have a quarrel with your soul because the enemy doesn't want you to have what Jesus has for you. David reached Ziglag and the men that had stayed with the supplies joined them and they reached Ziglag and the dudes that warred with him that went with him all the way, the 400, there were some murmurs again. And the murmurer said, well, the guys that stayed with the supplies, they don't get any of the extra that we got. They, they, don't, they don't get none of that. They can have what's theirs. But, but all that extra that we got in battle, we are not sharing with them. How selfish and I wonder if we don't let that creep in sometimes to the church. And we need to remember that we're all in this together and we're all going to get the same thing in the end because we're serving a loving and fair and faithful God. And all of us are going to have the same spoils. It's called heaven. And we're all going to be divided evenly. And we're not going to be some people that were in the pulpit got more. Or some people that prayed for the sick, they got a little more. Or some people that taught Bible studies, they got a little more. No, you step over on the other side we all have heaven to gain. Amen? David encouraged himself in the Lord. What did he do? The Bible says that he looked back and said, I need to remember. I need to remember what God has done before. Have you forgotten what God's done for you? He said, why are thou cast down? Oh, my soul, why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. He'll put a smile on your face, in other words. And my God. I will go to the altar of God and to God my exceeding joy. Upon the harp will I praise him. Oh, God. Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance. You can have a smile on your face no matter what you're going through because he's the health of your countenance. But remembering what he has done before. When you get in the middle of a problem, the first thing you do is you encourage yourself in the Lord. It won't always be this way. You know, there's power in the spoken word. And the more you murmur and complain and moan, the worse things get. But I am going to get well. I'm not always going to be this way. God's going to touch me, and I'm going to, I'm going to be all right. I'm going to believe God. And if you will use words like that instead of, oh, things are just terrible. It's, this is just awful. I know I'm not going to make it through this. I know this is probably going to kill me. You know, your body 
in, internalizes your words. Words live. So quit being a murmurer and encourage yourself in the Lord. I had an incident on an airplane. A man in front of me on the airplane, you know, when you're on an airplane, people get up and they run up the aisles to get off the airplane. Everybody wants to be first. Nobody's ever been to kindergarten where they learn to take turns. I was the kindergarten teacher for five years. And, and so I, it really, it takes everything I have not to say something when these people that, you know, are all dressed up come running up the aisle because they're going to be first off the airplane. And so when the little ding go, ding, that means you're allowed to stand up. And so I stand up just simply because I'm tired of sitting. And I, I stand up and, and I get my purse on my arm and I stand in my own spot and I try not to bother or touch anybody else. Very hard to not do. And the man in front of me, he got out in the aisle and he pulled his suitcase down from the overhead. The man was dressed in a very expensive suit. I think he was an attorney, but I also think he was a rock collector. <laughs> like boulders or something. He pulled that suitcase down and he slid it down behind him, bam, and it dropped on my foot. And I, I didn't have time to, to, to touch him on the shoulder and say, hey, hey, because he was gone. He pulled the handle up and went walking off. He never knew he hurt me. That's another whole mess, message. Never knew he hurt me. I'm kind of bent over for a moment in severe pain, calling on the name of Jesus. And then I have to go because if I don't, people are going to run me down and I'm going to be in worse shape. So I hobble off the airplane, pulling my little suitcase. And I, I, I get where I can sit down and I look at my foot. It's already purple. It's already swelling. I mean, I knew it was bad. And so I make it through the airport somehow, get to a rental car, rent a rental car, and drive to the evangelist quarters and check in where I'm going to be ministering at the church over the weekend. I'm getting ready to do four weeks of junior youth camps. One of them was in Wisconsin. I did Wisconsin seven years in a row. And, and so I don't have time to have a purple foot. So I simply prayed and I said, now Lord, I don't have time for this. I, I have four camps. I can't go home and go to the doctor. You, I just need you to touch me, Lord. I'm having a quarrel with my soul. Soul, don't be disquieted. Remember what God has done for you in the past. Just hold your head up and just bite through it. You know, go through it. I go to the store and I buy slippers in every color to match my outfits. And for four weeks of camps, I preach my heart out to junior youth campers with slippers on. And I'm in these big tabernacles, three and four hundred kids. And the last camp, I had made my way to an emergency room because the pain was horrendous. And the foot was so swollen and purple. And, and I went and got an x-ray. And they said, ma'am, your bone on top of your foot is fractured. And it's begun to heal. And now you're going to have to see an orthopedic surgeon because it looks like it's overlapping a bit. You've walked on it and put too much pressure on it. And, and I'm taking handfuls of ibuprofen and praying and praying and praying and encouraging myself in the Lord. I finish up that camp and it's the last night and I'm going to go home. I stood in that pulpit and I looked back over those junior youth campers lying all over the floor speaking with other tongues you think this is not real all you'd have to do is see that one time little children with the power of God all over them and and they're shaking and praying and talking in tongues all over that room 71 children filled that week with the baptism of the Holy Ghost speaking with other tongues <laughs> hallelujah and I'm still quarreling with my soul. The battle is long and hard. And, and I'm, at night I'm moaning and praying and crying. And, and, and I know I can pack up and go home. I can call them and say, I, I can't stay. I'm, you know, I got this injury. I got to go home. But no, I, I wasn't going to do it. I just kept quarreling with my soul. Sometimes you have to just stay in it. Stay in the trenches. Give, give God a little more time to move. 
I'm standing there in that pulpit in that big tabernacle and I look back at those children and I'm weeping and I'm thanking God and my foot is killing me. And the Lord said, if you run around this tabernacle, I will heal your foot. Now, I don't run. I I don't think I know how to run. (laughs) Certainly not anymore. And I'm thinking, that had to be me. That, 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 can't, that can't be God. And then, you know, that's the time you remember the kind of stuff you, in the Word, like the man that had to go dip in that nasty river seven times to get his healing, or the, or the dude that God made spitballs out of dirt and plopped them in his eye sockets so he could see. God uses some strange stuff. And me running around the tabernacle is a very strange thing. And I stood there quarreling with my soul for a moment. And the Lord said, I'll heal you if you run around this tabernacle. And the next thing I knew before I could even think, I was picking them up and setting them down all the way around that building. And I happened to notice a few faces as I went by. Because I'd hobbled all week with slippers on, sitting down every moment I could, and they knew my demise. And here I am, the slippers went flying in the air, and I took one big lap around that tabernacle. When I got to the pulpit, instantly I felt it. The warmth went down into that foot, and the swelling went down. It wasn't purple, it was whole, it was healed. Why wouldn't we believe Him for anything? Hallelujah. You just have to have a quarrel with your soul. Remember what he's done before. He'll do it again. Hallelujah. I had that appointment made and I had an x-ray that I'd gotten at the urgent care and I went into the orthopedic surgeon. I didn't have to, but I went in there and he hung that x-ray up there and He had him come in and take a picture and then hung it beside it. And then he said, go have her stand up and take it. And I said, you can stop taking pictures that I'm probably going to have to pay for. Because he said, well, where did you get that? I told him the name of the urgent care. I said, sir, that is my foot. That, that happened. But I came here today to show you what the power of prayer will do. Because the Lord healed my foot. (laughs) Hallelujah. He said, I believe it because it doesn't even show a hairline. A foot that's been broken like that would at least show a hairline where it healed. He said, this foot has never been broken. I'm talking about having a quarrel with your soul today. Stirring it up in you. Remembering what he's done in the past. He'll do it again. Oh, yes, he will. He'll do it again. You come to the keyboard and give him some hope. The Lord sent me to tell you it's time to not only have a quarrel with your soul, talk to yourself a little. Remember what the Lord has done for you in the past. Recount the events. Thank Him again for them. 20 years ago, 10 years ago, 5 years ago. And secondly... Praise him. David got out his harp. You think he felt like playing the harp? No, he didn't. If we only based it on how we felt, you wouldn't be here, a lot of you. If it's based on feeling, you certainly would not stand to your feet and lift your hands. Based on feeling, there's an awful lot of hard things we go through in life. That's why you have to have a quarrel with yourself and make yourself bring that sacrifice of praise. David got out that harp and he began to play and sing unto God. He he was a great singer, a songwriter, if you will. And David learned, no matter what I'm going through, if I'll just praise, if I'll just praise, if I'll just praise him 
Some of you have forgotten how to praise. You know, I get tired of something, and I'm just going to say it. Because I'm 59, I don't care what people think about me anymore. I was raised in Columbus, Ohio. To me, that was the north. North and south is all relative to where you are, how you're raised. You know, there's places farther north than this. There are places farther north than Canada. So, you know, north, south. And we always said, you know, in the south, those people get all hyped up. And they run and dance and shout and all that. But we were a little bit more calm. Then I I moved to Tennessee. I've lived about four lifetimes. I'm in the fourth one right now. I'm hoping to live five if Jesus tarries. In one of my lifetimes, I lived in Tennessee. Hence my messed up broke. And you know what I found? They, They did. They shouted, they ran, they danced. Sometimes people just acted plumb crazy when they were praising. And I found out that didn't bother me one bit. I kind of liked it. And in my younger days, even though I couldn't run, I could dance a little. And I would get in the spirit. And I don't believe in dancing to be seen. You want to do that? Go down to the dance hall. Go to the bar. That's where you dance to be seen. And my mom always told me, you know what? If you're in the spirit, you're talking in tongues. You won't ever be out of order. That was good advice, wasn't it? And so I learned that if I'd forget about all y'all and get in the get in the end of the altar and start talking in tongues and worshiping the Lord and remembering what he's done and get a real thankful heart all of a sudden my praise would start coming out automatically it came out of my mouth and then it would get in my hands sometimes my little hands would shake and then all of a sudden before I could even catch it it'd get down in my feet and I would just do a little dance before the Lord and worship him and I wasn't a bit ashamed even though I didn't do it when I was younger There is nothing wrong with that. And then when I was in Tennessee, they talked about y'all. Well, you go far north like in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Snow's in Minnesota. They don't worship up there. They'd say, you you, you know, you won't won't like it up there because... They, they don't, you know, they're real quiet. They're real formal and quiet and, and they don't really worship. Now, don't y'all get awed in your heart about those people. What are you saying, Sister Vicki? I'm saying we're all north, south, east, and west, all over the world. I've been in the jungles of Africa where they worship like nobody's business because they have nothing. I've worshiped with Australians. I've worshiped with French in Europe. I've wor- worshipped in the islands of Guam and Ponape and Saipan and Koshai where the people were all barefooted and the cats run in and out between your legs and the dogs run across the pro- pulpit while you're, while you're talking. I've worshipped all over the world. And what I found the best way to get a hold of God is forget about everybody else and get lost in the Spirit. Let Him fill you to overflowing with His Spirit. The Bible says to repent. Ask Jesus to forgive you for your sins. In other words, bring your heart to Him. If you're you're new today, I want to break this down for you so you get it because I'm responsible. Today I'm I'm in the pulpit and I'm responsible to tell you you must bring your heart to the Lord tell him you're sorry for your sins and that you want to live for him and you want to walk with him you don't have to have fancy words just talk in your own words what makes you comfortable and the moment you do you give him permission to go into your heart he won't go in there until you invite him 
because he's a perfect gentleman. And the moment you allow him to go into your heart with one sweep of his hand, he cleans out all of that sin. The sin you were born with because the Bible says we're born in sin. When we're little babies, we're already sinners. We need God. And then anything you've added to it. He cleans all of that out and it made a mess up here. It'll have to be cleaned up because sin makes a mess of the lives of people. All you have to do is look at the newspaper and you see what sin will do. When sin is finished, it brings forth death. The devil wants to kill you so you won't ever go to heaven. You'll die lost. And then if you will ask the Lord to move into your heart, thank Him for cleaning out your old dirty heart and just begin to praise. We're, we've been, we're talking about praise. Just begin to say, I love you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you that you cleaned out my heart. Thank you that you accepted me. Thank you for your grace and mercy in my life. Right while you're thanking Him, Bible says he gives you a brand new heart he takes away your old stony heart gives you a brand new heart the Bible says you must be born of water and of spirit the only thing that cleans up that mess is letting the pastor take you to the water it's ready he'll take you down under the water very quickly and bring you back up and say in the name of Jesus because there's no other name no one was baptized in the Bible any other way but by going under the water in the name of Jesus. The Bible's very clear about how to make heaven. And this is the place where some of you may have to quarrel with your soul because your mind is going to say, well, that's not the way Grandma did it. And if I, if I admit that this is right, and then I'm saying Grandma was wrong, and, and, and you know what that could mean, and I'm, I'm not going there. Listen, have a quarrel with your soul today. And what you say to your soul is, it doesn't matter what anyone in the past believed. Now I have truth. God's faithful and just. He'll take care of those who didn't know. But now you're accountable because you know. And he made it so easy. He went to the cross. So that he could buy your pardon. Won't cost you anything. To come and repent. Let this pastor baptize you in Jesus name. The Bible says you shall receive the gift. What gift? The gift of the Holy Ghost. Some people, a girl I ministered to a couple weeks ago said, I already have the Spirit. I said, wonderful. Did you ever speak in another language, speak in tongues? She said, no, I never did that. You know what she was telling me? And I explained to her, you know, in the Old Testament, all those people that did so many great things, Moses and Abraham, can you think of all of those great patriarchs? God was with them, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. In a big way. And I said, sweetheart, what you're telling me is God's been with you. But now, you're seeing something new in Scripture. He wants to be in you. And I saw the light come on in her eyes. She said, really? She didn't have to quarrel with her soul because you know what? You need to get to a place where you say, hey, if there's something else in here I don't, I don't know about, please tell me, I want to do it. I want to be ready, don't you? She lifted her hands. She was sitting in a chair in the back. She lifted her hands and began to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm sorry for the bad things I've done. Please forgive me. Please clean out my heart. Thank you, Jesus. The tears begin to roll. And all of a sudden, her lip began to wiggle. Because Jesus was giving her the gift of the Holy Ghost. And her lip was wiggling and her tongue was wiggling. And then she moved her mouth. And strange words in another language she'd never said came out of her mouth. Speaking 
with other tongues. You can't do it wrong. You don't have to sound like anybody else. And there's no pressure. If you're a quiet person, you can receive it quietly. If you're loud, you can receive it like I did. I jumped and shouted and shook. My hand shook and I opened my eyes and I was back by the back door and didn't know how I got there. He'll never make you uncomfortable or make you do anything you don't want to do. Talking to somebody today, you're not here by accident. The Lord wants to give you the gift today. Have that quarrel with your soul. All the, all the excuses. Well, I got to be somewhere. I, I got something in the crock pot. And, and, and you know, what will people think? And what will my family say? And I don't want to get my hair wet, so I can't be baptized. And, well, I need somebody here to watch me. And all the stuff that comes. Have a quarrel with yourself right now. Because what if Jesus comes before midnight tonight? You may not have time to wait. Hallelujah. And church, I'm just going to tell you because I love you. You have a great, great way of worshiping and the presence of God comes in. It did today. It did in the sessions Friday night. But I'm telling you, if you'll up it just a little bit. If you'll just push yourself a little further. If you'll just raise your voice a little louder. If you sing a little louder. If you praise a little bigger. If you get out of your comfort zone a little bit more. You watch what God's going to do around here. Because it's just like when I used to go to my daddy and I'd climb up on the arm of the recliner and I'd take my little finger and I'd go around daddy's ear. I, I had a, a thing. I'd go around his, around, around his ear and I'd say, Daddy, I hear the ice cream truck. You do, baby? Yes, Daddy. Can I, can I, would, would I, could I? I, we, I know we hadn't had dinner yet, but, and oh, I didn't even get the words out. He was shelling it out. He didn't have much money. And he said, I'll tell you what, get you one for now and get you one for later. Sort of like that machine. <laughs> I had a lot of laters. I'm telling you, your heavenly father loves you so much. Don't forget that. But he wants intimate time with you. He wants you to pray at home and then bring that prayer in here where it turns into praise and worship. And when it transfers from praise into worship, you forget about everybody else. You won't care what they think. And that's when you begin to see the miraculous. Would you stand? I feel that we should do this very strategically. If there is anyone here, that you have never spoken with other tongues. Today is Holy Ghost Sunday. The Holy Spirit is what's going to take you up when Jesus comes. You must be born again. This is going to be so easy that you're going to be glad you did it. There are some chairs on the front row and we can move down so we have more if we need them. But I'm not going to even ask you to stand. I'm going to ask you to social distance every other chair. If you need the Holy Ghost, come and sit on the front rows. So maybe if the ministry could move down, because they're going to be helping me anyway. And if you have someone with you, a child, a visitor, it's hard to walk up here alone. Would you turn to them and say, I'll walk up there with you. You ready to go? Because... Jesus is coming. We don't have much time. Come right over here on the front rows. Don't make me come get you. Now there are some of you that you need to have a quarrel with your soul today. I'm leaving these front rows available for those who want the Holy Ghost. But I want the rest of the church to social distance as much as you can. They're going to turn the cameras off. People at home are going to have their own prayer meeting. But I want the rest of you to move out. This is a big building. You can go in the corner. You can come up here. You, you can come in the aisle. But we need to lift our hands all over this building right now. Come praising. Remember a little louder. A little 
bigger from our hearts. We're stepping into a new place. Come on, church. Come on. I bind every spirit of man or of Satan that would come against the move of God right now. Come on. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.